Hello, you're listening to the Citation Podcast with me, Michael Brown, Health and Safety Content Manager here at Citation. We're going to be covering off the issue of work-related ill health from dust today and the hazards of dust exposure in the workplace. And sadly, there are over 12,000 lung disease deaths every year estimated to be linked uh, to past exposures at work. And according to the HSE, that's 1.7 million workers in total are suffering from work-related ill health. And a lot of that, as we've covered, is due to occupational lung disease. I'm joined today by Heather Dunning, who looks after our specialist air monitoring team. Hello, Heather. Do you want to just tell me about yourself and what you do for our for our listeners? Hello, um, I'm Heather. I work um, in the health and safety team for Citation. I'm also the um, team leader, if you like, for the air monitoring service that we carry out for our clients. Um, I'm really enjoying it. I've worked in health and safety about six years now. Um, I go out on site to clients um, and carry out air monitoring and I also assist our new consultants who are qualified in it as well. Fantastic. So a number of different pieces of legislation may require you to do some air monitoring in the workplace just to verify that your controls are actually working. Most notably is the control of substances hazardous to health regulations, but also control of lead at work regulations and also some specialist monitoring is required for asbestos too. With COSH, I mean, most of the time people will look to do a bit of air monitoring it should be to make sure that the controls that they've got in place, so for example, local exhaust ventilation or masks, um, or even actually substitution of substances or enclosing them, um, are actually effective. I don't know, Heather, tell me the sort of workplaces that you go into and what, what you tend to monitor for, because I think it will help our listeners get a picture of the fact that actually the breadth of this and, and where, where it's so important for, for employers to check that their controls are working. Yeah, so we go to many different types of industries really. Um, The most popular types is construction industries. We go to a lot of engineering workshops and also some woodworking workshops as well. But we also cover things like the bakery industry. So going into bakeries to monitor for flour dust. A lot of people think that it's not really that hazardous, but in fact, flour dust can cause asthma. So it is quite important that we go to them types of industries as well. It's interesting because you mentioned flower dust there and I remember talking to, there are quite a few misconceptions about dust and one of the ones I had from a particular employer was, well I don't think I need to do any air monitoring because it's organic, it's just wood and the HCA are really enforcing on this at the moment because I think we've been quite good at the safety side of things but not so good at the health side and wood dust as you say can cause asthma. And some of the places I've been to, where you walk in in particular, I mean, the HSC might have a field day because you walk in and immediately you just see piles of dust behind saws and stuff like that. And the answer I always get is, oh, don't worry about the housekeeping. We sweep up at the end of each day. And I think, no, don't put it in the air so you can breathe it. You know, you need to tackle it. it at source. But that's the thing. So even with those workplaces where they've got the extraction in place or, you know, they're doing damp cutting for stone or something like that, where you, I suppose you got the risk of silica exposure as well yes and silicosis is a big you know really big issue um even where you've got those controls in place I suppose that's where you know, your service comes in to actually just give people that reassurance that you know yes they're working your workers aren't breathing breathing this in but I had as well one of the places I, I went to um 
people always sort of there's a lot of marketing around products about being you know, safer or paint water-based paint yeah. i remember this one distinctly and he says it's water-based it's absolutely fine and i said have you checked the data sheet so yeah whenever you're given a new substance or whenever you buy one particularly from a commercial supplier you're supposed to get a copy of the safety data sheet and in there it will tell you all sorts of nasties um, yes. and a really easy way of controlling that risk I suppose the hazard to your workers is if is actually before you go and buy a substance have a look at the data sheets you can get them online usually for free can't you yes you can and um, and working out what what's in there because it turned out this water-based paint was full of horrible carcinogens and they were quite happily spraying this with very little control but do you do you see that often which industries do you think are the ones where people don't realise they need to have a bit of you know, verification and monitoring? Probably wood dust is quite a big one. I think in the past, um, woodworking and that type of industry has obviously been going for years. And I think only now, because the HSC are really focusing it, employers are thinking, oh, I've got to do something about this. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that's where we would come in. And in a lot of places as well, um, if clients don't know what they should be monitoring for we can check the safety data sheets for them and actually find out what's in there and that gives us a better indication of what to monitor for um, and obviously we can look at the exposure limits and whether their controls are working for that specific substance. So look, looking with employers and we've, we've spoken actually about changing the controls and making sure that the controls are fit for purpose. So when I talk about control measures, what I mean is how can we reduce the amount of substance or preferably eliminate it altogether that our, our workers are, are exposed to. And we use for that the hierarchy of control and put simply, that's basically elimination. So can you get rid of the hazardous substance altogether? So get rid of that process. Um, number two might be substitution. So a good example of that could be if you do need to use a paint, uh, can you swap it out? As I mentioned earlier with the data sheets, can you swap it out for a less hazardous version of it? Uh, after that, you look at your engineering control. So can you enclose the process? Can you add extraction? So local exhaust ventilation. And again, that can incur some costs. So the top two of those controls, elimination and substitution, are quite often the cheapest. Engineering controls, if you're adding extraction, you need to make sure that that's been examined every 14 months and that it is actually working. And then after that, you've got your administrative controls. So can you change the way that the people are working with it? And finally, right at the bottom of the pile is your personal protective equipment. And the reason that's right at the bottom, so you should try and take all of these other steps beforehand. The reason that's at the bottom is because if you've got a mask on, You've got to make sure it's the right one. You've got to make sure it's face fit tested as well. You've got to make sure it provides a good seal. If that seal fails, your worker is exposed. So PPE, personal protective equipment, is always the last resort. And I suppose that's you know, where we come in again, because you've got to verify, haven't you, that actually you know, your controls are working. So it's no good just saying, we've got LEV, that's fine. Because I've certainly, and you've probably had this, you've gone into a workplace where it looks like they've got a really good setup. And the results come back and it's it's not effective at all or they're not maintaining it correctly. That's What's, right. Have, which industries do you think, um, quite often, out of all of the ones you've been to, which industry do you think you most often find on the report that they actually need to take additional measures? 
Probably in fabrication industries. So when we go out and monitor for welding fumes, um, that's usually one where it flags up that a couple of the substances are, are over the workplace exposure limit. But a lot of the controls um, that can be put into place are, are quite easy to put into place. It doesn't necessarily cost the company lots and lots of money. Um, it could even be just ensuring that the LEV um, is regularly inspected, uh, using things like smoke tubes to make sure that it's working correctly, um, and also providing training to them to the employee to ensure they know how to use the LEV, and also to ensure that it's close enough to what they're welding to make sure that it extracts the fume properly. So it's simple controls like that that can be put into place, which makes a, mass- a massive difference. You're absolutely right. I mean, a lot of places haven't realised, and we've certainly made our clients aware, um, but a lot of places haven't realised the HC have changed their enforcement approach around welding fume. Um, in fact, in 2019, this happened, and they are, they're regarding basically any welding fume exposure as being carcinogenic now. And yes. it's amazing how many places you, you sort of hear, oh, we've got the door open. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, no, it's not. Um, but uh, it, it's also, it's a, it's a hazard we've known about for years. And it's not only you know, the actual, the cancers it can cause. It's even down to the fact that you can have uh, welding fume fever and all sorts of really permanent, almost pneumonia symptoms. It's, yeah. it's pretty awful. So I suppose really... Yeah, that leads us quite nicely onto the reasons why air monitoring is so important. So there's obviously the legal reasons. I think um, Regulation 10, is it? Of yes. the Kosh, um regulations, um, which actually a lot of people don't realise it is a requirement. So air monitoring and verifying your controls work has been a requirement um, for at least 20 years because Kosh regulations came out in 2002. But before that... I think there were some that actually admittedly before your time and certainly yes. before mine as well. <laughs> um, in 1988, I think yeah, it's actually, it was in those regulations too. And employers are only just now getting around to going, hmm, actually we need to do something about this. Yeah. I mean, I suppose there's also the civil, you know, civil considerations and... That's right. Yeah. Civil as well. Um, so obviously it's not just about um, what's legally required of the employer. You also want to protect your employee's health. Um, So that is obviously one of the main reasons why air monitoring is good, because you're making sure that your employees are carrying out work for you, but in a safe way, and they're not going to be um, diagnosed with lung disease later on in life. Sometimes that's the thing. It may not seem like they're ill right now, but in 40 years' time, when they're a lot older, that's when usually the effects can happen. and another reason that that leads on to kind of claims and the claims industry and, and another reason why you should have air monitoring carried out is to protect the company against civil claims because, um, like I say, in, in the future, you could have a claim in and if you can't prove that you've monitored exposure and you can't prove that you've looked after your employee, it's not going to look very good for the company. So... Um, there's also reasons like that as well, as well as financial and having a good reputation. Um, you know, you don't want the HSE coming in and giving you a fee to inf- intervention for not having air monitoring carried out and for not um, monitoring exposure. So you want a good reputation. You want your clients to have a good reputation and you don't want anyone going home being ill as well. So actually you mentioned fee for intervention there. That's quite 
it's gone up again, I think, hasn't it, this year? I mean, it was never going to go down, was it? But I think from the HC, they increased it from April from, I think it was 160 to £163 per hour. Yes, If they that's identify right. a material breach. And, yeah. And actually, as we've indicated earlier, when you walk in and if you've got a woodworking shop absolutely full of wood dust, yeah. or if you've got a welding set and no controls whatsoever, they're immediately going to go, well, They know we straight away. Yeah. They know. So have we spoken about different moral reasons and duties and where air monitoring fits in? I mean, our listeners are probably wondering, how do you do it? Is it quite an invasive process? Does it take a long time? Okay, so it's quite easy to conduct, really, and it doesn't um, affect the employee's work. They can carry on just as normal as they would do. Um, When we turn up on site, we'll gather everyone around of who's going to have the air monitoring carried out and we basically give them an air monitoring pump which is generally attached to their belt or the top of the trousers and that acts as the device that kind of sucks in the air if you like Um, then we have the plastic tubing which comes just behind the employee's shoulder which connects the sampling head Um, usually in the breathing zone, it's about 30 centimetres from their their mouth and nose. We usually clip it around the collarbone, just on the collar of the t-shirt. And that's it, basically. We switch the pump on and leave them to it. We come back usually about four hours afterwards, um, just so that's a good amount of sampling time, really. It depends on what we're sampling for. We always refer to the HSE's MDHS um, to find out the best sampling method, but it's generally on for about four hours. We'll come back, take the pump off, um, remove the filter from the sampling head and basically post that back off to the lab and they'll analyse the sample, really. Okay, just for our listeners' benefit, what's the MDHS? So it's the Methods for Determination of hazardous substances, which is basically a guidance document issued by the HSE, which helps our consultants understand a bit about the air, about the air monitoring. There's different MDHS for whatever substances we monitor for. So before we come on site, our consultants always double check to make sure it's not being updated and just to ensure that the air monitoring can go as smoothly as normal. So in effect, then, it's something you need to, as a specialist, you'd be aware of, you'd look at these things. It's not just, you don't just sort of turn up and go, oh, I've got my, I've got myself an air sampler. You you have to do different techniques for different, different substances. That's right. Yeah. All our consultants are aware of the different um, guidance documents on MDHS. So they'll always be well aware of that um, before we come onto site. Fantastic. So actually, we've covered a real variety of subjects today, and also you've looked at, you've given us some insight into how you actually do do what you do and how your team approaches this. Can you think of just off the top of your head any sites that you've been to where you feel, on a personal level, it's gone really well, you've made a difference, and um, that actually employers have taken it seriously and implemented the changes that you've recommended? Yeah, we had an employer, um, it was a couple of years back actually, where they came to us, they wanted us to carry out air monitoring for them. Um, I think either the HSE had been in or an employee was possibly complaining um, and it was basically to monitor for welding fumes and we went in the first time round, um, we found a couple of employees that were above the workplace exposure limit and the employer was really, really good, they were really wanting to work with us and put controls into place and once they received the report they they was able to identify who was at risk 
Um, and therefore they focused on them. They focused on putting the control measures in place that we recommended. Um, I can't remember exactly what they were, but um, whatever it was, they've done it. And over the years, the results and the exposure levels have come down. Um, they're actually below the workplace exposure limit now. But they're a really good client. They're, they're, it shows that they've been proactive. They have us out every other year to carry out air management for them. Um, and hopefully it will um, look really good for the HSE because they are monitoring exposure continually. Fantastic. Well, I think that brings us to the end of this episode, actually. So, yeah, thank you very much for joining us, Heather. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Good, good. Yeah, and thank you all for listening too. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode on the importance of air monitoring and please stay tuned for upcoming episodes. Remember, if you need the backing of citations experts in any of these topics, please get in touch with us at podcasts at citation.co.uk. Thanks. Goodbye. Goodbye.